addicted to something so weird, you know? Uh, how could we have such strange addictions? But really, we all kind of have weird things that we do, things that are different that nobody else does, things that we think that are different than anybody thinks. Uh, the word addict actually means to devote or surrender oneself to something habitually or obsessively. So an, ad- an addiction is basically anything that we do habitually, that we, that we have to do, that it's part of our grind. It's part of our normal reality. And for this woman, it was uh, eating hat- cat hair, which was really strange. Uh, a poet in the late 1600s named John uh, Dryden said, first we make our habits, then our habits make us. And uh, that's an interesting quote. It's very powerful because when we have these habits and these weird things, they become very controlling, right? They become issues, and they, they kind of separate us from other people with these strange habits. Now, tonight, I'm not talking about habits like, you know, speeding or biting your fingernails. Oh, come on, somebody. Or uh, what else? Facebook, right? Or cell phones. I'm not talking about addictions like that. I'm not talking about habits like that. I want to talk tonight a little about something a little deeper than that. The addiction of the way that we think. The the patterns that go through our mind as we live life. The the way that we function is motivated by our thought patterns, right? So we have these thought patterns, they dictate to us the way they the way that we live, they dictate the way that we talk. And so we what we need to do is we need to develop a healthy habit in our in our in our in our thinking patterns we don't need to have this unhealthy thinking patterns and you guys know what i'm talking about like sometimes we, you probably like oh yeah why do i think that have you ever been that before i mean i'm like that all the time i'm like why am i thinking like this i need to stop thinking about this right and so there's a lot of things that we can do and some people say well i don't choose what you think about but you actually do choose what you think about you might not choose at the moment what you're thinking about but you've done something some event has occurred that you have participated in that has caused you to think the thoughts that you're thinking so we can actually, we actually have control, come on, are you with me, over the way, the patterns that we think. Now, I'm not saying like a bad thought comes into your mind. That might not be something that you fed there, but I'm talking about patterns. I'm talking about the habits that we have when we think. And you know, the word of God speaks a lot about our mind. I, man, I've been in charismatic churches since I got saved. I don't really know anything else. You know, I've been in, in churches that are, you know, that are just kind of rowdy and, and kind of the idea has been, well, let's just check your brain at the door, right? Check your mind at the door and just come on in and let's just get real feely and oozy and weird, right? Cause we just kind of check our brain at the door, but scripture actually doesn't teach that at all. In fact, Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, he commanded us to love the Lord, our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, right? With all of our mind, right? So we need to love God with our mind. We need to have thought patterns, healthy thought patterns that are actually loving God. It's easy sometimes to let just kind of go through the motions and just kind of check our mind out, especially we've been in church for a long time in a worship setting or something. We're lifting our hands. We're singing the song we've heard 50 times and our mind checks out and goes somewhere else. Come on. Are you with me? So what we need to do is we need to develop healthy thought patterns. Everybody say healthy. Everybody say, I need to have a healthy mind. Uh, Philippians chapter two says, let this mind or this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ, right? The motivation to think like Jesus thought. 
And when we talk about repentance in the kingdom, we, we talk about repentance. Repentance, it all starts in our mind, right? Repentance is a change of thinking that results in actions. We think where Jesus died. Jesus died on Golgotha, right? What is Golgotha? Golgotha is the place of the skull. Let me tell you that every battle that you will ever face, will always, you will always have to get victory first in your mind. The battle's always... Always first in the mind. It's where it's always at first. So, so we've got to understand this. I believe that that was very specific. I don't think it was random that Jesus was crucified and, and fought the battle of sin at the place of the skull. Because I believe that we must also win the battle at the place of the skull inside our head if we're going to have a victorious life. Are you with me? Now, there's really two kinds of thinkers, right, in the world that we live in. Right? I talked to a friend of mine. He's like, I'm not a... Uh, what is it? Optimist? I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist, right? We have we have two different two different kinds of of thinkers, right? We have the optimist that basically thinks the glass is half full, right? The glass is half full, and then we have the pessimist that the glass is half empty. I think we have some pictures of glasses, right? Just like that, right? Half full and half empty. Come on, and some of us think like this. Some people say, "No, I'm not an optimist." I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist, right? I mean, I've heard somebody say that. Usually when someone says they're a realist, usually they're a pessimist, right? They're usually negative, and they're usually saying that because I'm just real. Let me tell you the reality. The reality is, is we always have hope. Reality for us is that we are a hopeful people. It's not like we, one day we have hope and the next day we don't. No, because Jesus bought us, we are hopeful, it's just who we are. And listen, we are full of Holy Spirit power. So we are optimists, and we live by faith. You can't be negative and live by faith. Well, I don't know if anything good is ever going to happen to me. You know what? If you keep thinking like that, probably nothing good ever will. Or if it does, you won't know anything good happened because you're, you're so caught up in being negative and selfish. And some people would say, well, you know, that's just, that's just the, the way I am. I call this the, the way I am syndrome, right? The way I am, right? That's just the way I am. That's just the way I was born. That's just the way I am. How many of y'all have ever said that before? I know I've said that. That's just, that's just not me. That's not who I am. Listen, Jesus paid a very, 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 very high price to transform us from who we were to who we are becoming. Are you with me? So Jesus didn't die so you could go, well, it's just not the way I am. Mama was this way and daddy was this way, right? No, Jesus came to transform the way that you are. Let me share some scripture with you. Some of y'all are like, it's about time. <laughs> You're supposed to share the scripture first. I'm going to share it right now. Romans chapter 8. We love this. This is such a good, if you could camp out in a passage of scripture for a couple of years, Romans 8 would be a good place for you to do that camp out there, you know, six months, eight months, just live there. Just read that every day. Come on, get that ingrained in you. Check this out. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Everybody say none. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. How many know before you sin, you always think about it? Come on. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. 
He sent his only son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sin. Listen, did you know that the control of sin in your life ended with Jesus? Are you with me? All right, where are we at? And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so the just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind, letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sin this just preaches right here, just read this and sit down. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Spirit, listen, dead body Jesus, three days, the same Spirit that invaded that dead body and resurrected Him dwells in you. He will give life, I love that. That's like one of my favorite scriptures. He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit. So some of you that are struggling for life, you're struggling with peace, just ask God, say, God, fill me with the spirit. Fill me with the spirit of the resurrected Christ, that I would be one that is walking with fullness of joy, that I would be one that is walking full, I'm just a pessimist, that's just the way I am. Forget all that. That's the way you were. That's the way you need to think. That's the way I used to think, God, but now I think like this because I'm not controlled by the sinful nature. I'm controlled by the Spirit of God. Here's the problems of being... Now, track with me here. When I first got saved, there was all this negativity. Everything was just really negative, the church. I got saved, and thank God for them. They just needed a a greater revelation of grace and the love of Jesus. But it it, it was all about, you know, every time the preaching was going on, it was all about hammering, like being carnally minded and carnal Christians. And and so we, we... so in my mind, I, when I read the word carnal, I think like that's like bad. You know what I'm saying? Like really bad. And it is. And it is really bad. But it's almost like that's like you think carnal and you think, I don't know if you're like this, but I think I hear the word carnal and I think God's just like what's nothing to do with it, right? God's put off by it. Okay? Which there are some things that lead us to believe that, but we also know that Jesus came to get rid of that gap come on are you with me so when i say carnal minded i don't want you to think like you know fleshly although you if you don't think that or if you've never thought that you probably need to think that but i want you to think the old guy 
the way I used to think. When you think carnal-minded, think the way I was before Jesus. B.C., right? Before Jesus, that's the way I thought. So when you think carnal-minded, that's the way you used to think. That's the old guy, right? Okay. You can just call it this way. Naturally-minded. When we say in the natural, we're saying in the flesh, in the temporary, right? So here we go. Are you ready? So these are the problems of being carnally or, for lack of a better word, naturally minded. Because there's all these connotations that go along with the word carnal, right? So naturally minded. First of all, we can't please God. Right there it says Romans. Chapter 8. We just read that. The sinful nature cannot please God. Then it says this, that it breeds hostility or enmity with God. What is that? When we are carnal-minded, when we are people that are so driven by the old guy, it puts us in opposition with God. Now, my idea is this. God isn't like, oh, you did that smack, you're my enemy. No, it's us going, God, you're my enemy. God, I don't want to hear what you want to hear. So the enmity is actually placed there by our carnal nature, us pushing God away because he's always drawn close. Another thing that it can lead to is a seared conscience. Romans chapter, uh, chapter 1 talks about people that, that gave up natural ways that they should live, and then they, God turned them over, basically, and they became people that were a people of seared conscience. They didn't even know what was right or wrong anymore. So if we continue to function like that, if we continue to function being driven by people that are carnally minded or naturally minded, then what will happen is we won't even be able to tell what pleases God, what doesn't please God, what's sin and what's not sin. Because we're so driven by the old nature. Are you all okay? This isn't deep tonight, is it? Is this okay? All right. <clears throat> the end result is sin and death. Verse 6. This is all that I just read. These weren't the things we were amening about, right? But these are the dangers. And lastly, it subdues our spirit and limits our effectiveness. So when we have these bad thought patterns, there's no benefit. Right? I mean, it's really bad, and it's really ugly. Now, God isn't impatient with us, and God isn't frustrated with us. He's drawing us. Come on, he's wooing us when we're in these patterns. I mean, Jesus came while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Come on, he's always extended. He's always saying, come on, stop thinking like that. He's not mad at you. Now, let me just say this. I think God gets mad. But I believe that it's like Scripture says, his, his anger is but a moment. God is never driven by anger. Love is always his motivation. Always his motivation. Even judgments in the Old Testament, always driven by a heart of love. Always driven by a heart that says, I want you. Come closer. Always. That's God's, God's always motivated by love. He's always wooing. He's always drawing. He has moments of anger? Yes. But he is a loving God. His nature is driven by love. Come on, are you with me? And when he's angry, it's a holy anger. Come on. And he's usually, well, I would say that he's never mad at you. He just gets frustrated at what happens. He's like, why'd that happen? And then it's done. He's like, come on. Some people have this mentality that God's, mad at them like it's God's state like he's upset or he's ticked at you 
like continually, that it hasn't stopped, that he's always been kind of mad at you, that he's never really pleased with you, that you've never really made him smile. You're just trying to live every day to attain this high standard that only Jesus could fulfill. And that's what you've got to get. You can't. That's why we have Jesus. Okay. So you may be carnally minded if. Are you okay? All right. I'm not going to step on anybody's toes tonight on purpose, but I probably will. Step on your toes, but it won't be on purpose. All right, listen. You might be carnally minded if you're offended easy. Or you get your feelings hurt easy. You're super sensitive. Now, let me say this. There's a difference between being sensitive and being tender. Come on, we need to be a tender people. Come on, we need to have soft hearts. We need to be, we need to be meek and we need to be a humble people. But we don't need to be sensitive in the sense that everything hurts our feelings. If you are driven by insecurities, you may be carnally minded. If you think God is upset, frustrated, annoyed, or disappointed at you, you're thinking like the old guy. If you think mostly negative about other people, you probably have issues. If you think negatively about yourself mostly, if you mostly think negative about yourself, you're, pro- you're probably dr- being driven by a carnal mind. Now listen, I'm not saying any of this to condemn you tonight, but to say, hey, I need to be spiritually minded. If you think you need to do more to be accepted or that you need to be more to be liked, if you're continually striving to prove yourself, if you're generally unhappy, generally unmotivated, generally discouraged, or generally frustrated, you're probably functioning with a carnal mind. Because the mind driven by the Spirit is life and peace. Not condemnation, not frustration, not confusion. Life and peace. Now listen, I say all that to say this. That doesn't mean that you have a day of frustration or even a couple of days of frustration, but we're talking about patterns tonight. We're talking about addictions in the way that we think. So what I want to do tonight is I want to help you develop some healthy habits in the way that you think. Are you okay? I, I know that I need this because sometimes I'm not, sometimes I'm carnally minded, right? Sometimes I react like that. I'm like, man, I need to stop that, right? Okay. Am I the only one? Okay. Cool. Just making sure. The first way, and these, these are real spiritual, okay? These, a lot of these are really cliche, and that's okay. So the first one is renew your mind. You say, what does that mean? That means to make your mind new. Well, how often do you need to do that? Every day. You need to do it every day. Why? Because you've got things being thrown at you every day that are affecting the way that you think. Romans chapter 12, we know this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Notice where the pattern starts, by copying. Let me just say, I I had this thought today. Sometimes, like, when when we talk about being a Christian, we kind of, we never say it, but we're kind of like, you have to settle. Like, I, I like, for years I liked Diet Coke, right? I don't know why I liked it. It's nasty. It leaves a bad aftertaste. Well, then Coke Zero came out. And I was like, oh, hallelujah, right? 
Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm walking in the spirit, right? So I got my Coke Zero. I'm loving my Coke Zero. I have my 12-pack. You know, I have, you know, I, I never try to have more than like two a day, but some days I have, you know, go to QT and get the big one. You guys know. Come on, what's up? Because God loves me, and he wants me to have that Coke Zero. So, <laughs> so I love Coke Zero, but the other day, the other day I had a real Coke. I was like, man, this is so good. I mean, you know, like the way like it burns your throat and like the way it sets in your stomach and the way your, like, your stomach kind of like moves around. You, you know what that is when your stomach's moving around, when it hits your stomach? It's rejoicing. Your stomach is rejoicing because the coat got there. And so I feel like sometimes like when we call people to Christianity or when we say that we sold out for God, I think sometimes our mindset is that we've settled for Coke Zero. Right? Because we look at the world and we pattern our happiness after the way the world is happy. We pattern uh, success by the way the world determines success. And so what happens is we settle for Coke Zero. No, 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 no. We settle for Diet Coke. Like we're walking around and we're going, oh, it's so good. Life is so good. Life is so good. Right? But what God has for us, the originality of what God planned is so much better than anything else the world can offer. It's so much better than we're living and functioning now. But many times in our mindset, we're thinking, I'm drinking Coke Zero. And we're not telling anybody that. We, we act like we're drinking Coke, but in our mind we think that. Listen, you got the best thing. We don't have to imitate. We have joy. Listen, our joy, is, and we don't rejoice because our circumstances are okay. That's how the world rejoices. We rejoice because we have this everlasting hope inside of us that no matter what goes on, Jesus is on the throne, and he is guiding and leading our life, and we are in fellowship with God the Father through Jesus. It is so good what we have. So let me remind you, Renew your mind. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. Why would we copy? Why would we want another version of not the real thing? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Another translation says by renewing your mind. What does that mean? It just means stop thinking the way you're thinking. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do I know the will of God? Just change the way you think. Stop thinking of the will of God as five years from now, two years from now, three months from now. Think of the will of God as today. God, what do you have for me today? When was the last time you asked that? Where will of God? God, what do you, I want to know what this wonderful, incredible thing that you have. What about today? What will you bring to the world? <clears throat> what do you bring to your community? So we talk about that. And then there's this scripture in Ephesians. It's along the same line of renewing our mind. And, and it says this, and, and Paul is talking about husbands and wives. And then he's like, then he kind of makes this statement about Jesus. I love this. 
He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, as Christ loved the church, and he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Listen, the thing that renews our mind, the thing that cleans our mind is the word of God. This is why David said, thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. That's why he says stuff like, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's the word of God. It's the word of God that comes and cleanses. So we got to renew our mind. What do we do? Do we go and do a yoga pose and empty our mind? No, we get before the presence of Jesus and we allow him to speak to us and we open up the word of God and we allow it to dictate to us how we think and how we function. This is how we renew our mind. And you start reading the, what, what the Word says about you because we've got, we've got the, the, all these people out here telling us what God thinks. And we've got preachers and podcasts that we're listening to, and I love all that. But all we're doing is we're allowing somebody else to tell us what God thinks about us instead of getting before the presence of God and going, God, what do you think about me? Show me. I want to know for me. And just like Thomas, just like Thomas, some people say he's doubting Thomas. No, 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 no. Thomas just needed to experience it for himself. I'm just like Thomas. I I got to experience from it. it ain't good enough that some preacher can say it good. I want the reality. I want to touch those hands. I want the spirit of life. I want the breathing of his word. I want the revelation. That's what we call brainwashing in the kingdom of God. That church is brainwashing. I want to be like, yeah, let's give him a fist bump. Because that means we're putting out the word of God and we are being washed by the word. Come on. I need a good brainwashing. Anybody else need a good brainwashing? (laughs) Boy, I know some days I do. I'm like, oh, Lord. Get in that word. So we need to start thinking of ourselves the way that God thinks about us. I'm going to ask you right now, what does God think about you? I would encourage you to, to make that list. What does God think about you? And most of us would start the list off. I know one time when someone asked me this question probably about 10 years ago, they said, what do you think God thinks about you? Is God mostly disappointed? I said, yes. a bad mindset God isn't mostly disappointed it's not saying that God never experiences disappointment because I believe he does but he doesn't live there and we need to be like God in the sense is that we might have negativity coming to our, our mind but we can't live there we've got to get rid of it and I'll talk about that in just a minute listen start thinking differently God's thoughts towards you are revealed in Jesus. You know, I heard for years, God's thoughts are not your thoughts. God's ways are not your ways. His ways are higher. Listen, do you know that all that was revealed by the Spirit? Did you know when God said, my ways aren't your ways, he wasn't talking about because something bad happened to you. He was talking about the salvation of a nation. His ways are better. His ways are higher than your ways. So let's get on up in our thinking. Start thinking higher because that's where God thinks. He doesn't think less of you. So God's thoughts towards you are revealed in Jesus. How did Jesus function? That's the way God thinks about you. The fullness of God was revealed in Jesus. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through the man Jesus. Don't think less about yourself. Think about yourself less. Think less about yourself. Just think about yourself less. Think that 
you're beautiful, that you're loved, that you're cherished, that you're beloved by Jesus. You're his. You're in this great romance. Think less about yourself. Think more about Jesus. Well, all I know is this. So get in the word of God and experience his reality. This is what we're all about here at Overflow is encountering the reality of Jesus. It's about encountering for him for real. Not, again, not by what some preacher or some religion has told us, but for who he lays out in his word and the, the, the life that he's breathed by his spirit, that we are, we're experiencing that. And we're encountering a new reality. Think about Jesus more. Think about others more than yourself. Be mission-minded. Don't, don't go and think, oh, I've got all these things to do. Think, okay, God, I've got all these things to do. I'm going to be at all these places today. What do you have for me there? What do you have for someone else there? God, can you use me there? Can you use me when I go to Walmart to, to pick up, you know, some chicken or whatever? Right? Instead of just being like, I've got to go there. Oh, wait on the lot. Oh, just hate Walmart. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Hate Walmart. Hate Walmart. Hate Walmart. Chicken. Right? That's what we do. We're all about ourselves. We're all about our ambition. When, when are we just going to take the time, just the moment, before we get out of our car and say, God, what do you want to do at Walmart today? You knew I was going to be here. Is there someone that I could breathe life into that you can pour in and out of me? Listen, I'm not telling you that you go and you evangelize and you stand up on aisle 13 and be like, hey, come on, let's have a revival. I'm just saying, are you going to be nice to somebody? Are you going to give a little bit of life? Who knows what God might do? Be mission-minded. But most of us are so consumed with self that we don't think like that. So, renew your mind. Change the way you think. Number two, nurture your new nature. Nurture your new Nature. How many of you know you got a new supernature? Come on. When you came to Jesus, he gave you a new supernature. Right? It's not an ordinary nature. It might seem like a strange nature. It's not a strange nature. It's a supernature. It's above the nature that you had before. God wants to optimize that nature in you. Let me just declare that over you. God wants to optimize your supernature. Not so you can be known or recognized by men, but, but so the Father can use you. And so you can bring it back at the end of the day and be like, Jesus, wasn't that cool when I loved on you today by loving on that lady? That just needed someone to love on her today. Listen, you feed your flesh and your flesh will grow. You feed your spirit and your spirit will grow. Right? Whatever we feed, that's what's going to grow. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. We love this. Right? Come on, we get discouraged. We start quoting it. Do not be anxious about anything. But God, you don't anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition. What? The presence of Jesus. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace. Come on. The peace which transcends, that goes beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. Where does it start? Don't be anxious. In prayer, in the presence of Jesus, in gratefulness. God, I thank you for today. 
He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, and then he tells us some pointers on how to help us out there. And then he says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Don't think about the things that are unworthy, that are unknoble, that are ignoble, I think is the correct word there. For all you English people that want to correct me every time you hear me talk. Things that are unpure. Those are the things that feed our carnal nature. But when we think about things that are pure, when we think about things that are lovely, when we think about things that God calls good, that's how we feed our spirit. That's how we feed the spiritual mind. Remember this. Remember this. Dirty wells have dirty water. You can't have living water by drinking from dirty wells. Now listen, we live in a world, we're going to drink dirty well. We're going to drink dirty water, right? It's going to get in our pipeline sometime. So what we got to do is we got to make sure that we're getting enough pure water in us to get all that junk out. Come on. Whatever we feed our mind on will influence our thought patterns. How do I change the way I think? I'm always thinking negatively. I'm always, I'm always being lustful. I'm always being angry. How do I change that? You think about things that are lovely. You think of things that are pure. You think of Jesus. So number one, renew your mind. Number two, nurture your new nature. And number three, captivate carnal negative thoughts. Second Corinthians chapter 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Everybody use this. Listen, I'm going to teach you some some real intense spiritual warfare right here, okay? Mighty God pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does God think about that? What is God's knowledge about that? Well, anything that comes up against what God says about you, what does it say to do? Cast it down. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Listen, this is what spiritual warfare looks like. You have a lustful thought? Bring it under the obedience of Christ. Lord, I, I want to be a man like David. Right? Right? Lord, would you guard my heart? Would you guard my mind? Don't let my mind, don't let my eyes look at, look at a woman lustfully. I want to be like that, Jesus. Lord, would you put a watch over my eyes? Begin to declare the word of God. Think about the beauty of your spouse. Come on. Think pure things. Listen, I'm telling you, you get negative, you start thinking about positive things. You think about the things that you're grateful for, the things that you love, the things that make you happy. Stop thinking about the things that make you frustrated. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, this is such a powerful scripture. You know when people say little things matter? The Word says that. Listen, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. See, it's the little foxes. It's the little foxes. It's the little things that ruin everything. It's the little things. Why? Because the little things, we just kind of live with it. Right? The little strange addictions, we live with it. The little negative thought pattern, we live with it. We don't deal with it. Why? Because it's not a big deal. But it's the little things that spoil the vineyard. It's the little things, guys. Listen, and one of the ways that you overcome negative thinking is by positive speaking. And listen, the way that we think influences the way that we speak, but also the way that we speak can influence the way that we think. When I'm having negative thoughts, I start saying out loud verbally positive things. 
I'll start speaking the truth. Whenever I'm thinking something that's a lie, or I'm thinking something that's that that is not Christ-like, not the way. Like I'm thinking something about somebody that, that they do that gets on my nerves. I, I I start thinking about the way that Jesus thinks about them. Well, God, they don't get on your nerves. You love them, God, and you're patient with them. You desire them. And then all of a sudden, your heart is changing. Do you see? If, if, let, me, let me prove this to you. Purple elephants. Say that with me. Purple elephants. What do you see right now when you say that? You saw purple elephants, right? Some of us saw a cartoon purple elephants, right? In the circus, right, or something. But you saw purple elephants. How many of y'all saw a cartoon purple elephants when you said that? How many of y'all saw real natural purple elephants? How many of y'all didn't see purple elephants when you said that? You saw the words. Maybe you saw the words purple elephants. But as we speak things, it puts things in our mind. It puts things in our heart. Listen, our, the things that we speak are an overflow from our heart, but also they influence our heart. So if you know something is true and you're thinking something that's negative, then speak the, 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 the greater truth, not the negative. Think the way that you're, speak the way that you're supposed to be thinking. I said speak the way. So what, we, what do we do? This is what we do. This is the way the carnal mind does it, right? Well, I just need to get this off my chest. I just need to say this. I got to tell you something or I'm going to hold on to it forever. How about you just don't hold on to it? And how about you get alone before God and start declaring what God says about that person? That God finds them lovely. And I guarantee you, you start saying those things. I don't care how bad or how rotten they've been to you. you. God still loves them. And God still desires them. So you start declaring what God thinks over them. You start declaring how God feels about them. And it will change your heart. It's happened to me. All right, I'm about to say something funny, but I said not to, baby. <laughs> oh, marriage. Okay. <laughs> well, just think, my husband doesn't deserve a shoe thrown at him. Okay. So number four, God loves him. <laughs> All right. And number four, listen, this is, this is kind of play on words, but listen. Admit your true addiction. Admit your true addiction. Now, listen, you, go through, you hear about any 12-step program or anything like this. This is the problem I have with 12-step programs. They have people stand up and they say, my name's Josh Brown. I'm an alcoholic. I have a problem with that because when I came to Jesus, he changed that. I'm not saying that you, you don't need to stay away from bars. Come on. We're not talking about being stupid, but we're talking about speaking forth faith. And speaking forth what God says. God doesn't call you an alcoholic. God doesn't, that's why I hate when people say, we're not just sinners saved by grace. No, 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 no. We were sinners, but now we're saved by grace. Now we're saints in the kingdom of God. Now we're children of the king of glory. That's who we are. We're royalty. You need to go back and listen to our Abba series and get some of that in your heart. I'm here to tell you my name's Josh Brown, and I'm addicted to the presence of Jesus. And in fact, when I'm not in the presence of Jesus enough, I start having withdrawals. I start talking down to my kids. I start talking down to my wife. I start not being any fun 
to be around. But when I'm in the presence of Jesus, when my pattern is where it needs to be, and I'm focused in the present, whenever I abide in him and he abides in me, then I'm a joy to be around. Then I'm a life giver to those that are around me. But whenever I'm not giving in to my strange addiction, which is the presence of Jesus, I'm just jacked up. I'm just no good to anybody. God still loves me and he still desires me, but he's going, think a little higher. I am with you where you are. Listen, we were all born with this longing, this addiction for Jesus. We were all born with it. And so we have, and we've heard this illustration over and over again, we have this vacuum in us. So when we're not with God, we lean towards the sinful nature. Let me tell you this right now. Most practical thing, in the world, 99%, I said 99% of the issues in your life can be resolved by doing two things every day, two habits. Read your Bible and pray. You read your Bible and you pray every day and you watch negativity leave. You watch people want to be around you. You watch bitterness have to flee from your life. Listen, I'm not talking about you read your Bible and play, pray like a religious thing. and you. That's better than not doing it at all. I will say that. If you're just being religious about it and there's no heart in it, keep on doing it. But I'm telling you, God wants to bring life to that. Come on, my words are, are, are spirit and they are life, Jesus said. So you get there and you experience that. And you get in the presence of Jesus, you watch. Issues resolved, fall off, bad opinions, negative thinking patterns about, oh, the way God thinks about me. All of a sudden you get in God's presence and you go, Jesus, you're smiling. And you know that God's smiling over you. Why? Because you've learned what the smile of God over your life feels like because you've experienced it. I don't know that, that for some of you that sounds weird. He's smiling. Yes, he's smiling. The difference is, even though we're all addicted to the presence of Jesus, there's two kinds of people. There's users and there's non-users. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a user of the presence of Jesus. Listen, I'm not trying to be like sacrilegious or anything like that, but we need to create a place in our life to say, God, I want more of your presence. I want to develop thinking patterns that are like the way that you think. Listen, that is only going to happen. Leslie, right here, just prove that. She knows the way I think. Why? Because we're together all the time. She, can, she knows things I'm going to say before I even say them. Why? Because we're together so much. That's the same way with God. The more that you fellowship with him, the more that you're in his presence, the more that you will learn to function like the man Jesus that we be continually aware of his presence and that we will be awakened of his great love for us. Admit your true addiction. You're addicted to Jesus. Admit it and embrace it and don't live without it. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Let me read that again. That's good. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. I don't know about you, but I want my thoughts fixed on Jesus.